Today's episode is sponsored by Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network Finet, member SIPC. Finet is focused on helping independent advisors support their clients and reach their goals with unique, ever-evolving solutions and resources from one of the nation's largest financial institutions. Learn how you can get more with Finet at wfa.com slash independent. That's wfa.com slash independent. Welcome to the Wellstack Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Rossick, the Director of Wellstack Content and Solutions. In this episode, I'm joined by Eric Irvin, CEO of OnRamp Invest. And today's topic, making the digital asset investing ecosystem accessible. Eric, I am so thrilled to be speaking with you. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely. This is going to be a good conversation. But before we dive into the first segment, I do want to start with your background and what ultimately led to the founding of OmniRamp Invest. Yeah. So I I was um I started as an advisor at Morgan Stanley back in the 90s. And um I, I went to school for computer science and finance. So I was always like a little bit on the nerdier side of, of the investment <laughs> world and did a lot of alternative investments for our clients. Our clients weren't like billionaires, but they were pretty wealthy, like in that five to $50 million net worth. So we had access to just a ton of great vehicles that we could invest in. But unfortunately, like the minimums and and all of the requirements, I mean, I couldn't even personally invest in these things. So so they were really great investments, but unfortunately just not eligible for a lot of people. So in 2012, I left and I started a company called Reality Shares, which is an exchange traded fund business. And the idea there was, is how do we make these really great, awesome alternative investments, you know, accessible to everyone and, and, you know, really kind of democratizing that piece of it. And unfortunately in the ETF world, there's just so many things that you can, you know, do. And, and so we, um, we built a really nice business there, but it was, it was interesting to see how much money and time and administration was spent on the back office side oh, of things. I'm sure. And, and I mean, we were spending millions of dollars on fund administration and custodians and t- transfer agents, and we were faxing our um, bank of New York, you know, like, and I, like, I was like, faxing. Fax? <laughs> you know, the, and, and so it just, just dawned on me, like, there's got to be a better technology. And that was what, this is around 2016. And so I got really excited about blockchain technology and kind of what it could do for the fund admin business. And so I started um, two businesses. One was a hedge fund business called Blockforce Capital. So, you know, kind of quantitative investing in, in digital assets. That was really just a way to get our hands dirty and, and kind of just dig in and, and learn the space. And then um, OnRamp was born out of out of kind of this, this pain of, you know, people want to get allocated to the space. They want to play around a little bit, but they don't want to like do all the brain damage of learning everything and, and opening 10 different accounts and taking a picture with their ID and holding up a piece of, it was just like nonsense. And so that was really the idea behind OnRamp is let's just make it really easy for people to get allocated to the space, to dollar cost average, build a portfolio, automatic rebalancing, like all those things that advisors are really used to, but they just couldn't do for kind of crypto assets and, and digital assets to speak of. So that was that's um, really what brought us here today. Fantastic. I'm still kind of laughing to myself about your brain damage comment because that, so <laughs> that is so true. Um, so if you wouldn't, it, I mean, it really is. But if you wouldn't mind, if you could just give uh, our listeners just a quick overview of OnRamp Invest, you know, what's the mission and, and who you ultimately serve? Yeah, so it's a um, real 
like really like a turnkey asset management platform for digital assets. So giving the financial advisor and the asset managers, the big money managers like Wisdom Tree and others, the ability to kind of serve their clients in the digital asset space. So advisors can open client accounts at qualified custodians. They can manage those accounts with a discretionary management, and then they can allocate to model portfolios offered by you know professional asset managers, and and really kind of that whole ecosystem is just connected now. And then we pipe it all back into the advisor's existing technology stack, so their CRMs and their portfolio management software and all that, so they can manage a Bitcoin investment just like they could manage Apple or IBM or an ETF investment and have it all kind of in one place. That's that's really the the mission is, is just how do we make all this stuff really easy so everyone can invest and so advisors no longer have to say, sorry, I can't help you. And and that's really what I, you know, just got so frustrated about was like because clients are putting a lot of capital into this asset class and, right. and many of them are blowing themselves up. And and it's they would love to have a financial advisor, but most financial advisors just aren't equipped until on rent. So Absolutely. Well, that's fantastic. And I, I appreciate the background and the context there. But I do want to dive into our first segment that I affectionately call Stats All Folks. <laughs> and since we're talking about the digital asset investing ecosystem, we have to cover tokenization. And tokenization is actually projected to reach around 16 trillion potentially by 2030. And, you know, institutions and fund managers have wanted to tokenize assets for some time, but it's really been a matter, like you said, of infrastructure catching up and having the technology behind it. So could you just briefly define tokenization and what are the opportunities when it comes to the digital asset landscape with it? Yeah, sure. So it's, um, like you said, it's, it's massive. If, you know, I think crypto assets were really, the first kind of proof of concept of blockchain technology where you could now create value, transfer it between two people or two machines or whatever without any intermediaries, no bank otherwise. So so that was like this this real breakthrough moment. It was like really kind of this first major innovation in financial services that that hit. A, a little bit like the ETF was um, the S&P spiders, the SPY, it S&P depository receipt. So what, what it was, was I give you these 500 companies shares. Um, you give me a receipt, which is the, the ETF and, and I'll buy and sell the ETF as, at will. And then eventually when I'm done, I will hand it back to you and I'll grab those shares. Right. So this, this thing was done with spreadsheets, with um, emails, with all of these like crazy old fashioned technologies in a, in a new modern world, it's exact same thing. So a real estate asset or anything can get a token or this receipt and that can trade electronically now amongst parties and, and be used for collateral. It can do like all of the things that you would do with an ETF. It's exactly the same thing, but now you can do it with really all assets. So it'll start with the fund business, I think. So a lot of funds will get tokenized. You're seeing Wisdom Tree, Franklin, like tons of, of fund companies are tokenizing their shares and and it's just because it adds so much more utility to the end user and you imagine like acats which is the you know account transfer process this could all be done like in a minute or in a second really like that's the the power of tokenization so crypto about a 2 trillion dollar asset class but the world you know is tens of trillions if not you know many many more times that and that's kind of the the big boom of city 
just put out a piece, which is some of the stats that you were mentioning. It's like a 160 page report on tokenization of everything really. So, so that's like a long-winded answer, but that's kind of how I, I look at it. It's a very, very big innovation really. Sure. And, and you know why the concept of tokenization isn't necessarily new. It's really that tech gap that's closing ultimately. And I know Bank of America recently reported that the tokenized gold market surpassed around a billion in value recently. And that tokenization of, you know, what we call real world assets is a key driver of digital adoption. Talk to me a little bit about those real world assets and, and why that's ultimately the case. Yeah. And, and another, um, like we're pretty fortunate in the U S we, we have a very like robust financial system, but again, it was all built on like older architectures. A lot yep. of the banking system is, is, you know, built on COBOL, which they don't even, there's no programmers alive. They even know how to <laughs> code in COBOL. So, and it still works, but it's, you know, it's kind of, jing- and just like the, the telephones, you know, we have wires going all over the place. Well, in China, they just jumped right to cell phones. They didn't, they, they completely leapfrogged that because they didn't have any of that legacy technology. This is a little bit like that, where we're still working on the old technology because it's pretty good and, you know, it works. still and works, so, right. So it's hard for us to like get our brain around, oh, there's something much, much, much better that's just so much easier. It's probably like a third of the GDP of the financial services industry is spent on administrators and again, like reconciliations, because there's no general, like distributed, centralized ledger of who owns what. That's really what the power of um, a lot of this kind of blockchain and and technology can be, where Citigroup and Goldman and Bank of America and everyone just refers to the same ledger, the same data, the same. And so now I don't even necessarily need a custodian. I can just own my assets directly and if I want to transfer them to this financial advisor or that financial advisor, I can do that. And it's not like held at Schwab and my financial advisor takes care. You know, it, it's really, it can literally be on the blockchain. So that's kind of this, this novelty. And I think a lot of it will be behind the scenes. Most people won't even know what's going on, but it's the big banks and the infrastructure companies that are going to be the big winners in this that makes absolute sense. Uh, but speaking of banks, <laughs> I have to pivot a little bit and and ask about uh, interest rates and how they've impacted this space. Obviously, it's been dominating the headlines for the past several months. What are you seeing there in terms of digital digital assets and how rising interest rates have impacted it? And what's been the market reception? It, it's um. I guess like from the macroeconomic side of things, interest rates go up. That's less money in the economy. That's that's um you know, not ever a, a great thing for, for business and, and investment. And, but it's uh, also created a lot of opportunity where, you know, one thing we saw with the banks, speaking of banks, with the, the challenges that we had is now a lot of these major corporations are looking for a safer place for their assets. The, the bank is not necessarily the safest place. And so you're seeing these, um, these money market funds that are, that are generating, like creating, generating great yields for 5% and, and they're in high demand by these corporations, but, um, but the corporations don't want to be stuck with one institution. And so this is the benefit of, of like, again, the wisdom trees, treasury money market fund or treasury fund and Franklin has one and they're seeing like potentially tons of assets, trillions of dollars of potential assets that could come into this because of the higher interest rates, the, the, the fungibility, like it's easier to transfer back and forth. They can do more with it. They can use it as collateral. They don't have to like have it in the bank. And 
potentially get fired from their bank. And there's, there's just a really, it's caused a lot of disruption, which is almost the thing that needed to happen to create like this, this need for change. I would have to agree. And candidly, you know, I got into what I would call very rudimentary crypto investing during the pandemic, both just out of boredom and a little bit of curiosity. And, you know, while my parents think I'm nuts, it seems like my generation, the millennials and Gen Z genuinely have an interest in the digital asset market. They want to be educated on it. They want to know more. They want easy access to it. You know, what trends are you seeing here and and how could this potentially impact the, you know, $60 trillion uh, wealth transfer that's that's kind of just been looming and it's, it's coming down the pike soon. Yeah. You know, it's so funny. I get, um, I, I kind of get goosebumps when I think about it. the, this is the, the smartest generation in history, like the most educated generation ever that, that has ever, you know, and, and they, they are curious and they want to learn and they want to play and they want to get their hands like on something and try things. And, and so that's why I think crypto was so just, it just caught the moment, you know, it was like, it's so cool and innovative and like against the man. And, and <laughs> it just has like a lot of great vibes associated with it. So, so there's that, but then there's also this, this idea that like the relationship between a financial advisor and a client in this kind of new, new client is going to be, it's going to have to change because I don't want to go to my father's financial advisor right and and especially if my father's financial advisor can't use any of the same like things that I use can't understand what I do what I want so if if anything like I think right now the advisor that says all right let's let's play around with some of this technology let's let's learn it let's I mean you don't have to become an expert because it's it's only going to be a small allocation but if you can just say yes to the clients I think you'll actually start to win some of those younger generation over for, for one. I, I used to, in the nineties, I was um, a financial advisor, right? And, and especially in San Diego, Qualcomm was like doubling every day, it seemed. And everyone, you know, from the, the retirees to everyone, everyone sell everything, sell the bonds, buy a Qualcomm, put it all in Qualcomm. But as a financial advisor, it's like, come on, that's nuts. And, and yet Qualcomm would double again. And, and so you started to look dumb to the clients. And I remember just thinking, let's just, you know, let them have some dessert, but, but make them eat their vegetables and potatoes and other things too. Sure. So of course, yeah. Qualcomm looks like a great company. How about we put 5% in the, in Qualcomm and, and then the clients didn't end up hurting themselves by leaving and going into, you know, all tech stocks right before the big crash. So I think these are the big things where like our industry really needs to kind of wake up and say, you're not putting this genie back in the bottle. It's, it's here. So you might as well just like, start to embrace it and and you don't have to go crazy you can just allocate a small amount and that's the you know so there's this like emotional attachment to the investment so that's that would definitely be my advice if i was an advisor again i'd just be calling who handles your coinbase account no oh really and and you know just hoovering up clients from from um and again protecting them because this is like a there's a lot of money lost in the last year Mm -hmm. and several years before that and several years so there's a huge opportunity to help right now. So are you hopeful this week's be, you know, think about financial literacy on both sides as, as an advisor and an investor. Are you hopeful, you know, for now in 2023 and even beyond that there will be more education, more proactive outreach and understanding around this space? Because, you know, at the end of the day, there's still very much hesitancy around something that's new, something that's volatile. 
And obviously the, the growth minded forward thinking advisors are, like you said, embracing it, calling up saying, you know, but we're, where's your buddy? <laughs> are you using Coinbase things you know, where can we fit this into your portfolio? But there still seems to be a, a, a bit of a gap in terms of education around all of it on both sides of the coin. Yeah. And, and it, it's, it's a little bit like um, biotech or tech, like some weird new novel technology or, or, you know, you don't have to, if you're the financial advisor, even if you're the kind of the invest, more investment oriented financial advisor, rather than more of a planner, you don't have to understand every single new drug discovery. And you, you just need to understand, like, generally speaking, things go up and down based on this, and we're going to diversify and follow like all the basic things that, 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 keep you out of out of trouble you can do that here too so there's um coin we work with coindesk and a number of different you know kind of professional organizations to build indices and to to really like professionalize the asset class so it's not so scary and it is more approachable so you can invest in sectors in the um, asset class you can invest in broad-based indices you can you don't have to learn everything about every single protocol but if you want to then it's um again it's like a, a zoo of of information and and so with onramp we tried to we built the onramp academy specifically for this purpose of you know you get kind of what you need there's primers there's but if you want to go deeper you can but you're not you don't need to go deeper because again it's 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 a thing that goes up and down and it doesn't really behave like the traditional asset classes so that's usually a good thing and and then you know, and then you can go deeper on, on like, well, what, what am I really buying? And, and how is this different than that? And, and, and then that's just crypto. Now, when you take into account, like our recent partnership with Securitize, so KKR and Hamilton Lane and these companies are now tokenizing their private equity funds. So you can get access to, because again, all this technology improves the cost structure. So now the minimums come way down. So now the average investor can start to get access to some of these really cool private equity funds. And that has nothing to do with crypto. It's just, we're using blockchain technology in order to make it more accessible. So that's the, I think maybe that's going to be the use case where we start to educate the advisor community about that type of, uh, oh, it's not just the wild west magic internet money that, and then, and then they can start to like really appreciate that there's way more to this than, than again, kind of just hype and and insanity. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Hype and insanity. So just at a at a high level, you know, what advice could you offer to advisors on how they should be talking to their clients about this space? You know, I'm a believer at this point that advisors really need to embrace this space and digital assets in order to be successful in the future. Yeah, it's from my perspective, again, kind of thinking about it like an asset class. So there's, um, and, and again, it's almost like a technology, you know, you're investing in a new tech sector in in a way, right? This is when you invest in, just to use the, the cryptocurrency theme for a second, when we invest in these tokens, what we're doing is we're essentially buying a piece of a network. And, and if you could have assume um, there was a penny for every email that was ever sent. That was like, if that was the concept, we, we buy a piece of the SMTP protocol and we own a piece of every future email that ever gets sent. We own like the revenue on all of that traffic that the tolls essentially to travel on that network. So if you, if you're investing in kind of a technological innovation, you're going to get royalties for the rest of you know eternity. If you own this asset, so that's that's a nice way to 
to just enter that kind of future potential growth. If you could have owned like a, a message to every message that was ever sent on Facebook or every message that was ever sent on WeChat or any of these big networks, that's what you're buying when you invest in crypto assets. When you invest in the digital assets, then, or, or like the real assets that are being kind of tokenized, Mm-hmm. That's more um, like you've done this for years as as an advisor. This is no different. This is um, this is just kind of simplified, reduced minimums, easier access. So now maybe it's all about well, how do we get alternative investments into our portfolio? How how better do we do that? And that's really truly like the sixty forty model is is like so yesterday. It's it's a <laughs> it's it's like. A, yeah, I, th- I think I saw, saw recently it was 3,500 companies in the uh, in the Wilshire 5,000 now. So the Wilshire 5,000, which is 5,000 companies, there's not even enough publicly traded companies to to make up the Wilshire 5,000 anymore because companies are staying private for much, much longer. So a lot of that value accrual that we used to get when we invest in Intel, when they went public or all, Google and, and so on, we don't get that anymore. So if we're not using alternative investments we're missing like a huge chunk of the economy for our clients. And so that's where kind of like adding some of these alternative investments back into the portfolio, it's just a different way to own stock, for example, like if I own private equity, or it's a different way to, to invest in fixed income assets and other assets. So yeah, I'm really, really excited because I think, I think like, like you said, the younger generation is interested. Um, The, the money is coming and it's going to be massive. And I, and I feel like they're going to want help. Like if I have 5,000 bucks or 10,000 bucks and, you know, but all of a sudden now I inherit a million dollars, I think maybe I might want to, you know, get a little bit of help. Yeah. Exposure to different things. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. And if you can just kind of communicate to that client, like we got you, you'll still be in control, but I'm just going to help you. And and give them the the power to to feel empowered. That's that's going to go a long ways again for and and then they're going to want alternatives. They're going to want different. They're they're not just going to want this this like the S and P five hundred and a Vanguard fund and yeah like they just want in, interesting things. Exactly. And speaking of interesting things, I I love a good roadmap question. So I have to ask, what's on the roadmap for for on ramp invest for this year and beyond? Yeah. So we, um, so again, we started with crypto. So now you can open accounts at, at all these major qualified custodians. We, we really then, um, you know, what we found was a lot of advisors wanted like kind of that index model approach. So the direct indexing, and then now SMAs with, um, so asset managers can, can truly custom build SMAs for, for clients of, of advisors. And then the um, the securitized announcement was a big deal for us because again it was like this next evolution. Like you hate Bitcoin, that's fine because you, you know you can't possibly say that you hate private equity and you hate right. all <laughs> of these other alternative investments. And so really now it's like the on ramp to everything that that is alternative. So those are the the really big ones. And then bringing on more and more private equity funds and and really kind of building like this Web three version of iCapital or Case or, you know, kind of giving everyone the access to all those alternative investments. And then some fun ones. Um, like I would love to do a deal with Masterworks. They're a, they, they take art essentially. So you can invest in a portion of a Picasso or a Banksy and, and get that into the platform. So now, you know, clients can actually own some, you know, fine art type, type um, things. 
Rally Road is a is a company that's you know kind of fractionalizing ownership and started with automobiles, but now it's everything from baseball cards to to Birkin bags to to really like everything. And I'd love to bring in some of those fun things into the platform so advisors could just really have a lot of fun with that. That all sounds great. And we'll have to do a follow-up episode once all of that comes to fruition, because I would love to hear about that. <laughs> but I do want to dive in to our second segment of Ask Us Anything, Eric, where I'm going to put you in the hot seat. And I've gone out to the social universe and asked them to submit questions they want answered by you. So let's check out who's dropping into the DMs this week. We did have a couple questions here. The first one being, how do you think custodial services will change in order to keep pace with the innovation in this space? Yeah, this is a big deal. I, I, um, I'm, I'm here at the CoinDesk conference and really we're part of an index committee, like an industry consortium. And the idea was which assets should be added? Should there be a custody rule? Like, should they be available at three custodians, two custodians, one custodian? How do I replicate this index? Cause again, it is a weird, um, asset class. So, and, and with the financial advisors, they are, you know, they have to use a qualified custodian. So, so that's a that's a real big deal, but you know, really, the the thesis behind blockchain is is you don't need a custodian, right? Is is just intermediate this custodian. So there's a lot of of back and forth there. I think what you're going to find is kind of this dual model where some clients will own their assets in in their own wallets and take self custody and and deal with that, and the advisors will have a look through to those assets. They can do that right now with clients um, via OnRamp, and then they'll have the kind of qualified custodian, the custodial assets in, and you're seeing like Bank of New York, Fidelity does this. So there's a number of traditional asset or managers, or I should say custodians that are kind of like letting you own Bitcoin and, and Ethereum now, but not any of the others. So if you want to go beyond that, you have to go to say a Coinbase or Gemini or Prime Trust. And then there's a couple of new custodians that are like up and coming and getting their charters now to try to get into the space. So as the SEC keeps cracking down, I think you're going to find more and more custodians that'll step into that void and help out. I would agree there. And um, we actually had a question too around crypto and regulation, because historically there's been a lot of friction there, but things are starting to shift, it seems like. Um, And trust is obviously a a huge factor in the space, and especially because it's been rocked lately with with several firms imploding, price volatility, things like that. So what are you seeing in in the regulatory space right now that's um, maybe hopeful or interesting? Yeah, well, it's it's always going to be challenging. At at the end of the day, I I, um, fully appreciate how difficult it is for the SEC because here again, you had all these people that there was tons of capital raised. Well, that sounds very much like a security offering, right? Whether private or public, it's still you raised money for a project. And so the SEC says everything is a security. And, and at the end of the day, we also have this weird structure where we have two regulators. So we have the SEC and the CFTC. Yep. That doesn't exist elsewhere. And and they're they're in this turf war of who gets what and who gets to regulate what. So we have that complexity plus Plus, we also have banking regulators and and state regulators, and and so we have this whole soup of um, of regulations as really challenging to meet any of these, especially when there's a brand new technology. When Uber first came out, Uber is a great experience. Like if you get in a yellow cab and you get in an Uber, it doesn't <laughs> one is much better than the other. The 
the um, I think they broke every single state law that that they did business in because they were <laughs> yep. it was like nobody had contemplated that kind of technology. But it was just such a good experience that they changed the laws to accommodate that that kind of technology. So that's what we're going to find is is um, some new laws are going to get created. I really like Hester Pierce. She's um, commissioner or one of the commissioners. She's she's kind of proposed this like a safe harbor. So yeah, if you raise money, you got to follow the securities laws, you got to have disclosures. And, but eventually that network gets decentralized enough to where you're no longer really the, you have nothing to do with the project. You could even leave the project and the project continues on without you that at that point, then it now becomes a commodity and it should be regulated under like different regulations. I love that. I love that concept. That's like, that would be fantastic. But until we get that, it's it's going to be again. It's going to be a challenge, and and it shouldn't it shouldn't be. You know, if, if you're an advisor and your client asks you, "Hey, I'm looking to sell a property or buy a property," you'll say, "Well, obviously, I can't help you with everything, but I can help you think through the the money concept of it." And so you shouldn't be afraid. Oh, that's that's not a security. I can't advise on that. You know, you can still offer your clients advice on anything whether they should buy a car or not you know and and it doesn't have to be a security it doesn't have to not be a security it can just be part of the client's overall financial portfolio that's that's i think how people need to think about it and worry less about the regulations of whether this token is or isn't a security and worry more about just offering their clients smart rational advice and and you know kind of billing for financial advice that's that's not a problem it's it's just the um, the fear of, of maybe the SEC is going to do something. I, I I think that's the wrong approach. I think again, we're not putting the cat back in the bag. It's, it's out. So. <laughs> yes, I completely agree. And it's it's it really should be part of that really holistic financial plan for advisors having these conversations. So completely agree with you there. We had one final question for the segment, uh, specifically focusing on crypto again. But what were your biggest takeaways and learnings from the challenges crypto faced uh, this past year? Yeah, it's hard to imagine <laughs> that it's only been a year. It's um, it feels like a decade. It 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 really is, uh, and it's kind of you know there, there's a like an organic nature to to crypto because there hasn't been a lot of regulation. So. Yeah, I, I think of it almost like, you know, viruses or, or cells that they, you know, they replicate and they figure things out and they, and some die off and, 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 you know, but it's, it's very, it's almost like competitive nature, you get the best out of everything. I think a lot of these struggles have created just every single one of these bear markets that the crypto has gone through, they just create a more robust ecosystem and infrastructure, and also a more robust investor, the, you know, I, like getting 80% of your value wiped out in, in a minute, you know, basically like in, in three months, I, I don't, most of the investors didn't panic. They didn't freak out. They, they just it's like took it as part for the course. That's what happens in crypto. And, and, and that's like a, that's a counter to the average investor. The average investor is get me out at all costs when the stock right. costs 20% where these investors are, are like, all right, that's how I roll, you know? And, and, and so it's made like a really strong, like confident investor audience. And and I love that. And same thing with companies, you know, that are kind of in the space, like, okay, so we better expect volatility here. So the more we try to like take away the volatility, I think the, the disservice we, we bring to people, you know, it's, it's like, it is volatile, it is raw. It is, there are scammers. There's, you know, so look out, like be, 
be careful and and take ownership of this stuff and and go in with eyes wide open versus don't worry we'll protect you we'll save your bank we'll you know I, I really I, I really appreciate that piece of the crypto and I hope that that always stays raw and in that regard but I, I get that you know if you're a financial advisor you don't want that for all your clients so then it just becomes an opportunity on how you can mute some of that volatility and some of that noise and nonsense that's going on out there. Well, it's not truly innovation if there isn't a little pain associated that's with right. it, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, Eric, I appreciate you being put on the spot and your insightful answers here. We have come to our final and my favorite segment, which I call Stack It or Whack It. And I'm going to throw out a few technologies. Be warned, they aren't always well tech related. Uh, and you tell me if they are essentially worth the hype or not. I might know the answer to these based on our discussion already. But the first one I want to throw out is blockchain. Stack it or whack it in its current state in the industry. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, stack it. It's um, It's fantastic. <laughs> I know we talked about it earlier, but yes, exactly. <laughs> That's the thing is we're just getting warmed up. I think we're st we still have yet to see the ultimate use cases of it, but it's coming. <laughs> yeah, this is like the days of dial-up internet, right? It's it's um where you'd have to wait like line by line as the image came across <laughs> the screen in an email. Yeah, yeah. so it's going to get much much better from here. All right, the second one I want to throw out is kind of a big concept, but DeFi, stack it or whack it. I, I love DeFi. It is, um, talk about raw, it is so mm -hmm. raw, but I, I really see a ton of opportunity. You're, you're seeing even like regulated companies like JP Morgan and others that are getting involved in this because it's, again, this is cool. Like this is really true kind of disruption, um, absolutely no intermediary. People are borrowing, lending, collateralizing, like so many, so many opportunities there. Really, really raw though. Very, very raw. All and if right. you if you get a chance, I would just say to the listeners, like try it. Just just buy ten dollars worth of something and put it into a DeFi and then play around. And it's just so cool. You're like you're you're doing it on a Sunday night. You're not like dealing with a bank. You know, it's just so cool. So uh, yeah, I definitely think that people should play around with this technology. It's it's got a lot of promise. All right. Two for two on stack. It's <laughs> I appreciate that, Eric. It's been an absolute blast getting to talk with you. Uh, feel free to tell listeners where they can find out more about you and what you're working on at OnRamp Invest. Yeah. So um, the website is onrampinvest.com. If um, if anyone wants to follow me on Twitter, I'm Irvin at, uh, you know, just Irvin one. So yeah, feel free to reach out. I'm really, really excited about the space. I think it has a ton of opportunities. So love to talk about it all the time. Awesome. Well, sounds great. And be sure to like and subscribe to the Wellstack podcast on all major podcasting platforms and follow all things Wellstack on wealthmanagement.com, LinkedIn, and Twitter. Thank you all for tuning in today. Today's episode is sponsored by Wells Fargo Advisors Financial Network, Finet, member SIPC. Finet is focused on helping independent advisors support their clients and reach their goals with unique, ever-evolving solutions and resources from one of the nation's largest financial institutions. Learn how you can get more with Finet at wfa.com independent. That's wfa.com independent.